With the fourth pick in the NFL draft, the New York Jets select Speech. It's Garrett Wilson. Ladies and gentlemen, we have made it. After weeks in the wilderness of mock drafts, vague tweets, and all of the above, constant flip-flopping, draft day is soon to be here. When you're hearing this pod, it will be only one day away. I know that everyone on this podcast just, just can't wait for it to get here, just so we know who the picks are, so we can stop speculating, we can stop just talking about it, and we can actually see if the Jets could like maybe win seven games like one time. That'd be cool. That's basically what I'm looking for. But welcome back to draft season. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan's basically where I was like three weeks ago where my man just can't even. So Dylan, how like the vibes don't seem very high at the moment. Dude, this might be the lowest the vibes have been when I've come on this podcast this year. And it's not like it shouldn't be because I draft's probably my favorite day of the year. And I get so pumped for the first round, but man, I am just so burnt out. And I think like, much love to our fan base, but they make it just unbearable. Like with this whole discourse about, oh, we're going to get Debo. Oh, we're going to do this. Oh, we're going to do that. Guys, let's just wait till Thursday. And then you can either drink your sorrows away or party it up when we get KT. So. Exactly. That, that honestly, both those, both those uh, scenarios sound fantastic. James, I know that you were calling your shot on draft Twitter about the top four of the draft. So, you know, are you, are you basically the insider of this podcast is my question. You could say that, but uh, you would need sources to be an insider. So, tough. <laughs> Struggling with the unmute button, Meeks. No, I've actually, you were actually cutting in and cutting out, so I couldn't hear when you finished talking, unfortunately. But I'll go to Joe, James, if you want to get smart with me. Meeks, I am a little tired. I, I had to take a cold shower for this one just to get myself ready for all the, uh, the mock draft we're doing. But, dude, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, two fourth-round picks, two fifth-round picks. All I know is that come Monday morning next week, the Jets are going to be a better football team. So I'm pumped. I'm ready for it. Draft day is one of my favorite days of the year, just like all you guys. I was actually married on draft day 14 years ago today. So that just tells you how much of a celebration it is in our household. And uh, I'm feeling great, man. We're going to have a good day. We're going to come up with a really nice mock that we love. And hopefully the Jets listen to the pod and emulate it to some degree because if the listeners know, they know that we know. And it's time to get busy. You know what I mean? Yeah. If anyone ever doubted that Joe Bellick wasn't married to the draft game, I don't know if you can get better out of evidence of it than that. But, all right. I mean, this is already a fight in the pre-show about who to mock to the Jets at four. Um, I'm a strong believer that if NC State tackle Iki Aquanu is on the board, he will be the pick. I really just think the Jets have not been shy about their feelings about Makai Becton. With this coaching staff, I think it started over the summer, and it really just seems like it's really deteriorated from there. And if they view Icky as the best player in the draft and a camp misprospected for, I think he will be the pick. But there's been some recent buzz about the Jacksonville Jaguars wanting to take Icky Kwan to protect their potential franchise quarterback. So I'll leave it up to you guys. Do we think the Jaguars take Icky? Because I strongly believe if Icky's on the board, he's the pick. So Dylan... I'll start with you. Do you think that's what the Jaguars do? Dude, I don't know what any of those three teams are going to do. Like, at, at this point, man, like, 
the Jaguars could pull some shit out of their ass and end up taking Stingley one, and it wouldn't even surprise me. Like, it, it seriously is so hard to predict what's going to end up happening at four at this point. But, I mean, if Aquano's there, I think I'm with you guys at this point. I don't – like, my negative – I don't want it to happen. Not because I don't like Aquano. I do want to say that. Just because we need edge. But, man, like, I don't want to see it happen. Meeks, personally, I don't believe they are going to go tackle there. I mean, I, I could see it happening, but listen, they got Cam Robinson. They franchise tagged him. They have Jawan Taylor on the other side. He's still kind of developing. They drafted Walker Little last year, I believe. So I feel like they have good depth there. And I think the owner wants a, a defensive end. And maybe the coach wants an offensive lineman. But I think that the owner is going to win out here. And I could definitely see Hutch going there, Trevon Walker, one of those two. I think one of those two guys are definitely going to be the first pick in the draft, in my opinion. I thought I was feeling bad about the Jets draft, and then I imagined being a Jaguars fan where I'd actually have to talk myself into Cam Robinson, Juwan Taylor, and Walker Little protecting my potential franchise quarterback. And dear Lord, I'd want to throw myself in front of a bus if that was the case. James, I'll go to you. What do you think the Jaguars are going to do? And if they do pass on Icky, are you cool with locking Icky in at four? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the tough things about this time of draft season is deciphering the signal from the noise. Um, but I do think that there's, I think it's going to be Aquanu, to be honest. Um, and the reason is because it's been reported that Peterson likes Aquanu. That makes sense given what we know about his success in Philadelphia with an elite offensive line. And also the fact that he's a great fit in that offense. And then the second piece of information that kind of makes me think it's going to be Aquanu is I was listening to Move the Sticks podcast. Um, and one of the things that Daniel Jeremiah said is, um, he kind of thought that they all have different perspectives on who to pick, but that Doug Peterson would win out out of the owner, the GM, and the head coach. And so if Daniel Jeremiah, who is extremely well-sourced, thinks that Peterson's going to win out, then I think it'll be a quantity. Yeah, so um, I just think Trent Baalke is unkillable. I just think, like, he clearly wants Trevon Walker. I think that that's basically been made clear by basically everyone in the media and Trent Baalke, like somehow he survived the Urban Meyer era. Somehow he won the power struggle with Jim Harbaugh. I don't know what it is about that guy. He just seems to get his way. So I think we should lock in Icky at four. Cause I do think he'll be on the board for the jets, but uh, as much, but as much as I would like KT, I just think that's what's going to happen. So now as we move along to 10, I'll ask you guys this. If they go Icky at four, do you think it severely diminishes them trying to take a wide receiver at 10? I mean, when you look at Sal and just his history with the 49ers, three of the four drafts he was there, they took a defensive lineman, right? Solomon Thomas, Kinlaw, and Bosa. So I feel like that's most likely going to be the pick at 10, but it also depends on who's available. If Jermaine Johnson is there, I feel like they most likely pull the trigger on him, even over a wide receiver, just based on what I know of Salah and of what he's looking for from his defense. But I mean, if they took a wide receiver there too, means I wouldn't, I'm blown my mind either. I mean, when you look at this defensive line, if Carl Lawson is coming back healthy and you really kind of have that strong side edge in JFM, like the defensive line is pretty good. I think, you know, last year, even before Lawson got hurt, I felt like a lot of people thought this could be a top 10 to 15 defensive line as is. So if they see it that way, and it all depends on Lawson's kind of rehab, they very well could go wide receiver there. But I mean, it's up in the air. It's either wide receiver or defensive end. I'm going to say right now that they're going to go Jermaine Johnson if he's there. If not, if he was taken earlier, I think it's going to be Drake London. Yeah. Um, 
honestly, I definitely agree with you on the Jermaine Johnson point. And if a team like Atlanta or if the Giants from seven or eight wanted to move, was okay with moving back, I could even see the Jets secure trading up to secure that defensive lineman and basically eliminate the doubt of waiting till 10. Um, I know James would hate that because that'd be sacrificing draft capital and James trades their back. He doesn't trade up because, you know, these are the ways of the, all the smart GMs. So James, what are your thoughts on the pick at 10? I mean, I think I was thinking about this today. I think it just makes so much sense to trade it for Debo Samuel because like, let's be honest. No, bro. What is the chance that any wide receiver from this class gives you a year in their careers that Debo Samuel gave this previous year. Obviously, like there are all these other factors. Who knows what the long-term longevity is? You have to give them an extension. So those are reasons that would maybe undermine the thinking. But dude, Zach Wilson is not good. You have to really make a concerted effort to support him. And the single best thing you could do is give him one of the most versatile, best offensive players in the NFL and, you know, flip it for 10, like way better than, you know, drafting Garrett Wilson or, Jamison, who's not going to play, you know, in September. Honestly, James, I am appalled that you, the value guy, the guy who always preaches to us about value, wants to give a trade 10th overall for a wide receiver who's going to garner a contract in the same realm of guarantees as Tyreek Hill. I think because of that contract is the exact reason you don't give up 10 overall. I don't think the Jets should do that. I don't mostly don't think they will have to do that if Debo Samuel gets traded. And also, if you're thinking about just like honestly, like rookie wide receivers are becoming the new rookie quarterback. When you look at the, just the gargantuan gap between what you have to pay a receiver at ten overall and what you have to pay at someone at the top of the market, like it's a twenty million dollar difference, just like it is coming for quarterbacks. And if you know, if you want to play the value game in that regard, I think that's why you would lean a Drake London or you would lean a Garrett Wilson or a James Williams because you're paying them, you're paying them 24 million over four years instead of paying Debo Samuel 24 million a year. But uh, Dylan, uh, Dylan, I know you're thrilled about the Debo Samuel rumors. So what are your thoughts about pick 10? It's, it's not even that I'm not against Debo Samuel because I hate that. I have to go on this. Like, I wish it was Tyree Kill because I don't like Tyree Kill. Um, that's just a, the whole personal thing we talked about when that was relevant. But Debo Samuel was such a good player. I would love for him to be a New York Jet, but I don't want to get my hopes up, A. And B, I just can't deal with this fan base going through this whole breakdown over what if we don't get Debo? What if we lose Debo like we lost Tyreek? That means Joe's going to get fired. Like, we can't do this anymore. Like, reality is just take a receiver with that pick if – if Jermaine Johnson's not there, take a receiver at 10. Otherwise, I take Jermaine Johnson and let's ride it with the trenches with the first-round picks. Fair enough. You know, Meigs, I know this is a big if, and we're talking about Carl Lawson, but when you saw how Cam Akers came back from the Achilles, you know, you feel comfortable enough thinking that maybe Lawson can do the same thing. And if, like I said, JFM is a strong side edge in this kind of base defense, and you have Carl Lawson on the weak side, then waiting even to the second round for an edge for like a Ebiquette or a Mafe might be the way to go. These guys are kind of more pass rushing specialists at this point. So you kind of kick JFM inside on passing downs. You put this guy on the other side and that's how you kind of create these quarterback assassins and how you get to the quarterback in those situations. And you take the wide receiver there. Now, as far as James and picking up Debo, I, I kind of agree with him. This is a proven player. Yeah, you do have to pay him, but why not give Zach somebody who is just familiar with the system and who can come in and hit the ground running? 
Yeah, basically, if this draft is icky, Jermaine, and they like take Christian Watson or George Pickens in the second round, I'm I I might declare that I'm officially out on Joe Douglas because that would just be a gross mismanagement of receivers, and it's just it's not good. Like I'm not gonna deal with it. I can't watch those guys on the Jets. But for 35, I mean, James, this is our guy, right? Well, hold on a second, Meeks. What are we doing? We have if we took Icky at four. Who are we taking at ten? Uh, if Jermaine's there. We're taking Jermaine, but if you, if you guys don't believe he's there, I'm taking Drake London because that's who I think the pick would be. James, who do you want, Jermaine Johnson or Drake London at 10? Drake London. There we go. Dylan, who do you want? Jermaine Johnson. Meeks. I said Drake London. All right, Drake London it is. Let's do yeah. it. Icky Kwanu <laughs> 4, Drake London 10. Our defense is going to stink, and I do this not is, care. This can is turning out to be a Joe Bellic draft. <laughs> can I just ask a hypothetical real quick? Like just around the horn type thing for five yeah. seconds? Okay. Put a percentage on the chance – that the Jets end up with Debo Samuel this week. Joe. 15. 25%. Dylan. I'd go 20. I'd say like 35. Okay. Big boy over here. James is confident. James is the insider. So take for that what you will. But at 35, assuming they don't trade this pick for Debo Samuel or a receiver. I mean, James, this is our guy, right? He's clearly falling out of the first round. He's he has a 4.0 GPA in mechanical engineering. I mean, this 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 is we're talking what? about the Kobe Dean. This is Nicobe D. <laughs> I was listening to the most out of pocket interview that he did today. It was pretty hilarious, bro. Yeah. So this is the, yeah, I, I'm trying to like, yeah, if Nicobe D is on the board at 35, I just think the value is too good, even though, as Joe has pointed out, his fit in the scheme isn't, doesn't feel like a glove, but I just think the value and just how smart that guy is, I just think he's going to work. So that's where my vote's going. He was so impressed. So I was listening to a podcast with him today where they were interviewing him and like how he was talking about, his film preparation and how it like lets him understand like formational tendencies and down the distance stuff, which is super impressive. Like, I, I mean, obviously like that's kind of what you would expect from like a smart college football player who's probably going to go in the top 50 of the NFL draft. But like, it's a type of thing where like you could see Soller as a linebacker guy really liking that. So. Yeah. Dean is the smartest player in the draft. And I do kind of question how he'll completely fit in this defense, but he could be used potentially like a chess piece. Right. And I could see Salah using him all over the formation. And I think maybe that could uh, be a huge get for the Jets. I do. Maybe I'm overthinking Dean a little bit to the Jets. Um, Cause I do, like I said, Meeks sometimes question how much of a perfect fit he is, but he's such a good football player, man. Yeah. If he's there at 35 and he might not be, let's be real. I think maybe, maybe this is a whole lot of smoke because I have a hard time believing that other teams aren't seeing him. Like even the Patriots, man, I think he would be perfect for that three, four, be that Mike kind of linebacker, have him protected by more of a Ted. So he could just kind of fly around and make plays. I think he would be really good in that role on that defense. He's not your high tower. He's the guy who plays next to him. Yeah. But the guy who plays next to high tower is Bentley and he's massive too. When it comes to Belichick, I think you will see the kind of benefit of bringing I, I, Joe, I will tell you this now. If I think Bill Belichick would take this player over N'Kobe Dean, and I think the NFL will take Quay Walker over N'Kobe Dean, and I'm calling that shot right now. Dylan, are you are Dylan? Are you going to make it a four for N'Kobe? Uh, yeah, since we've made this defense to suck so far to this point, uh, we got to get some talent on it. So, yeah, I'm definitely – I'm I've loved N'Kobe Dean. So, uh, even though Devin Lloyd's my uh, – Love child out one for my linebackers. I do have uh, Dean too, so I'm happy with this. And also, guys, let's not overthink it. The Patriots are taking Alec Pierce with their first pick. Yeah, it's either him or Kyrie Elam. Those are basically my two bets. But uh, for 38, um, I don't know if this player is going to be here because he actually has late first round buzz. And uh, if he is, this is maybe a little bit more wishful thinking on my part. And just because they skipped on edge, I know people talk about Evacetti, they talk about Mafe. Joe, what do you think about Logan Hall? 
dude, I, are you kidding me? I love Logan Hall. I feel like Logan Hall is the perfect replacement for somebody like JFM. I feel like a lot of people on Twitter are kind of looking at Kayvon Thibodeau and Carl Lawson and being like, well, these are your two starting edges. And I think they're kind of missing the boat on the kind of player that Salah likes in his base defense on the strong side. Those are the kind of like Sean Ellis's of the world. They're the Auric Armstead's of the world. And that's exactly who Logan Hall is. I would not be shocked at all if the Jets took him. My only issue with that is they brought in Solomon Thomas. They brought in Vinnie Curry. Um, they have JFM. So I feel like they did bring in players to satisfy that role well enough for this particular year where they might go in a different direction. But like I said, if they selected him, he is exactly what this defense needs in the future. So you could actually move JFM more kind of on the inside and on a permanent basis where he could be more of a three technique. Yeah, I just I just think the versatility he would bring in the way you can just make him and JFM interchangeable, it's not it's not like adding a Jermaine Johnson, a Kayvon Thibodeau, and an Aiden Hutchinson or even a Trevon Walker to this defense, but I do think it gives it an element of multiplicity that I think Jets fans should be excited about. But uh James, I'll go to you. Who are you feeling at 38? Are Andrew Booth or Nick Benito on the board? Uh, Nick Benito would definitely be on the board. Andrew Booth, I generally have no idea what to do because he's been it seems like Kyler Gordon has pipped him in the draft process. So Ooh. um I'm very – so, basically, I would say Andrew Booth is on the board. Okay. Well, I mean, in that case, it would be hard – like, it would be hard for me not to advocate for Booth um, just because I think it's a great, like, combination of player plus value plus scheme plus developmental situation where he doesn't have to come back from his injury issues prematurely because we have players, you know, to play right now. Um, I mean, I could also see Nick Benito – um, who has the highest pressure percentage and win rate as a pass rusher of any person in this draft. So, yeah, I mean, Benito, I love Dick Benito. I don't want to feel like I'm talking bad about him and I would feel comfortable drafting him in this thing. I just, he's probably a DPR to start and I don't know if the jets would spend a pick that high, especially when they have a guy, I think they like in Bryce Huff in house, but uh, in regards to Andrew Booth, um, he's like, I don't love his game to the extent James does. But he, that guy takes away the football. That guy makes plays on the football. The Jets corners literally have no idea how to do that at the moment. So I would just like a player who could bring that kind of skill set. But, Dylan, I'll let you uh, weigh in on this. Yeah, I like Andrew Booth as well. I just don't think I would go with him here just because of the fact that I don't think I want to wait on a player just to come back from this injury. I think this team needs help now. So I don't know. I think I would definitely lead safety here. And for me, I think I'm going to uh, – you know, I'll go, I'll go Petrie. He's oh, really tugging at Joe's heartstrings with the Petrie talk. I know. I think Petrie's become my guy. I love Petrie in this spot. I feel like he is a versatile safety. I think he's going to come into the league more as an in-the-box guy, more as a, kind of a big nickel, but I think he can mm-hmm. play single high as well. I think that the few, I think he's going to have a better career in the NFL than he did in college, and I think that people are really going to see the value of him once he steps on the field in the NFL. So I think the Jets need a safety. I, I want him to – go get more of a kind of a bona fide single high guy. So Dax Hill or Lewis Seen would probably be a player I would choose first, even though I love Jalen Petrie, but I just don't think those guys are going to be here. Yeah, so. I agree with you, Joe. I think those guys are going to like the top 27 picks. Yeah, that's why I went with Petrie here. I feel like it's hard to kind of. Uh, can I try to sell you guys on Brian Cook at 69 and taking an edge player here? Well, what about Brisker? Do you think Brisker could be there at 69? I think Brisker uh, at 69, I don't think so. No. Tough, right? Yeah. So who's the guy you want to sell me on, Meeks? Uh, Brian Cook, the uh, safety at Cincinnati. Oh, uh, you know what, Meeks? I feel like he's just like a rotational guy for now. I don't think he's going to be touching the uh, starting lineup. And I kind of see him as more of a 
a too high guy as well. And split safety looks over like a single high roll at the next level. So I'm not super comfortable with that. I think I would rather take Petrie here for sure. Okay. Well, I've been outvoted. So um, apologies to Logan Hall, who Joe claimed to love, but clearly he was not willing to fight for him. So now we will move well, on to. Hold on a second, because we didn't really touch on Linderbaum. Like you thought Linderbaum would be there at 35. We kind of. I do, but I just don't think, I just don't think you can take Icky and Linderbaum. That's I agree. I love that's a, that's a good that's a good point. I guess that see. was more like if they take if they take KT at four, receiver at 10, and, and they go Dean Linderbaum 35, 38. I got zero issues seeing that. Throwing that's the card the in if, pop if the champagne. Happens, that's exactly thank Listen, you. I pop the champagne. I just I think Icky and Linderbaum's a little too much. I can see the Jets doing it, especially if they get a, a, a draft day trade for Beckton. So you're gonna have an extra pick there somehow. Then you could get, go with Linderbaum. I personally don't think Linderbaum is gonna be there at 35. I think the Bengals will take him. I think the Titans could potentially take him. I think the Jaguars could potentially take him. I as could well see I, I don't think the Titans would take him. I think I could see the Bengals, but if you listen to a lot of their guys, they allow them to keep mocking them corners, whether that's Kyler Gordon or Kyrie Lima when they're on the board. So, but the Jaguars giving uh, basically just given Doug Peterson's history with Jason Kelsey, who basically has the same exact body type, I would definitely see him seeing the value in a player like that. And the Jaguars would be my one, f- would be like my main fear in that regard. But I don't think he's going off the board before 31. Yeah, I think the Titans are the sneaky pick there. They brought Ben Jones back in for the year, he's 33 years old. Linderbaum's a good scheme fit there. I feel like that's definitely somebody people should keep an eye on for Tyler Linderbaum for sure. Okay. But then we'll, we will move to pick 69. So we have, just to recap for the listeners, we have Iki Aquanu, We have Drake London. We have N'Kobe Dean. We have Jalen Petrie. So now, you know, got a defensive back. Basically, basically, you know, is this where they look for another trench guy? Is this where they look for a tight end, a running back? What, what are we thinking at 69? Wait, sorry. Can I, can I make a comment? I kind of spaced out for the last four minutes. Um, <laughs> my thing with Jalen Petrie is like, if you're making the argument based on his ability to play the normal safety role, I guess I get that. That said, if you're making the whole have him play star slash nickel, um, Kwan Williams was a UDFA in San Francisco, and they had him on like a one two million dollar salary for the entire solid duration there. Um, and so it kind of makes me think like, are they willing to devote that much draft capital if, if that's the role that he would play? But I guess if he's playing normal safety, then they would be fine with it. I think you draft Petrie because he can play multiple spots. I think he can play single high. I think he can play in the box, be your quasi linebacker. And then again, he could be that big nickel as well. So I don't think you're just drafting and thinking he's going to be playing that star role at all. I think it's for what he could bring to the table long-term to the Jets, which I think, like I said, I feel like he could have that kind of Javon Holland type of ascension. And I, I, I think that, That'd be a pretty nice pick for the Jets. Yeah, I also think that's that's kind of going to sell it, Joe, is that A, his versatility, and B, I think he has more potential within this defense than Jaquan Brisker has or a Nick Cross or Brian Cook. I feel like he can grow more as that Swiss Army knife type. I'd agree yeah. with that. I mean, yeah, this this defense, I mean, this coaching staff loves uh, Michael Carter the second in the defense, and we'll see how his second season goes. If he's That's why I really think like if the safety they would pick in this spot is Lewis Seen. Because he can just him and Whitehead can just do a lot of similar things, and he can just play Carter in the slot. Because I do think they're high on him, but I do like what Petrie brings. Uh, as for sixty nine, James, do you have any thoughts on who they should take at this pick? No, I mean I'd be eager to see who uh, who Joe and Dylan want. Interesting. You no, know, Meeks, I'm gonna sell Isaiah Spiller here. I feel like if you're no. looking for somebody to compliment Michael Carter, I feel like this is the guy in the third round who would be an absolute steal. He's perfect for an outside zone system. He's probably one of the best running backs in the league as far as creating 
lanes and creases and zone. And I think that you guys are, you, nobody can see what's going on in the background here who's listening to the podcast. These guys are literally rolling on the floor and like crying, like in agony at this suggestion. So what's going on? What, what's wrong with Isaiah Spiller? He's the going to be round? there in round four, bro. We don't Why are you overdrafting him? Come on. Come on, Meeks. We don't know. Dude, that. he's been mocked there multiple times. What? So what? He was mocked in the fourth round. What does that mean? Dude, he's going in the fourth round. I'll take him at 114. We can talk about it then. All right. Who do you guys want here in the third round? Dude, there's no corner. Like, there's, there's there's no like corner on the board that I would love here, which is the really unfortunate thing. Because I, I I'm not taking Kobe Bryant at 69. Oh yeah. You know, how how do we feel about a Tariq Woolen fall? Yeah, I think we're going Isaiah Spiller over Tyreek. No, but okay, Dylan, Dylan, but, Dylan, save us from this. And I don't think Woolen's going to be there in the third round either. I think he's a second round guy. Dude, I was looking more – I'd be more on his page than I'd be on the uh, Spiller page. Um, crap, you know, oh. guys are sleeping tough. on Spiller, man. This is tough, man. Oh, I, no, no. I want to go defense here. I'm just trying to Would they out. take Cole Strange here, you think, even if they took Icky? I don't think so. I, I think – man, dude. dude they're going to want They're gonna want somebody to take over from a governor next year. I think taking somebody who uh, – a guard who could play center, someone like Dylan Parham, yeah, I would love Dylan Parham. I'd be ecstatic if he got to this spot. Dylan I old. No, I don't think so. Let's just take Dylan Parham or Cam Jurgens and have a good offense. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I'd be more into Parham because I don't think Jurgens is going to be here at 69. My, I was. Uh, you guys were late to that party that I clearly started. Shout out Draft Twitter, basically following in my footsteps with Cam Jurgens, basically yeah. getting like second round player hype now. But uh, yeah, I'm down for Dylan Palmer. If that works for you guys. Means <laughs> you took Cam Jurgens, a guy who was probably going to go in the fifth round, and brought this guy to a second round. Great, you have made that man more money than his agent ever will. Exactly, and he owes it's you all about the all the listeners to this podcast now. <laughs> hey, I, I have another suggestion. We all haven't right. taken Edge, correct? Yes, no, uh, no, I would be down for edge. So what about Sam Williams? Uh, Sam Williams is my guy, dude. I'd absolutely. Yeah, I would take Sam Williams, Williams here. And it's just, he's got the off the field stuff that oh, I wow. don't know if they, yeah, don't the, know off the, field, the off the field stuff too is like really, it's not like, good. Not good. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually so, bad. Like Adam Anderson bad. Or are we talking? Like uh, a, I would say like, like Adam Anderson. Above? I don't know if it's 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 pretty you know you could look it up but it's it's, it's some sh- it's some shady stuff I don't know you know obviously people yeah. have done their homework on him I wonder how far he's gonna fall in the draft yeah I think he's worth this pick I just don't know if you can take him because of it yeah. from a pure pass it. from a pure pass rushing perspective the guy is definitely has ability I mean he's yes. got a nonstop motor he doesn't have the most pass rush moves but he's definitely attacking a quarterback pretty much on every single play he finds a way to get there so. You know, in this spot, like, again, bringing him in is kind of like one of those pass rushing specialists, the guy you bring in on clear passing downs. This is a guy who definitely fits that mold for sure. Let's just take Dylan Parham. I feel safer here. Yeah, I'm with I'm with, I'm with Dylan on that. All right, and we'll go to round four. Uh, so round four, this would be pick 114. I mean, this is Pierre Strong, isn't it? Oh, my God. Bro. What do you mean, James? Oh, my God. Yes, Meeks. Pierre Why do people want? Okay, Here's my thing. Why would you want all these small school running backs like Tyler Algier, Pierre Strong, like whoever, whoever, when you could have Brian Robinson, there's Amir White, who played at like the two most difficult schools to start at. And with Zamir White, this dude, this dude has been injured every year and he's kept his job. Like James, James. First of all, I have both of those guys ranked higher than Pierre Strong. You're 100% correct. But Pierre Strong is a better scheme fit in an outside zone than both of those guys. Brian Robinson and Zamir White, 
make their money in a gap heavy scheme. And I think that's the kind of team they should get, they should get drafted by. Now, am I going to complain if Joe Douglas drafts Brian Robinson? No, he's an absolute beast. The guy's amazing, but we, we do have to kind of try to figure out what we think the jets, you know, what players they're going to attack. And I feel like when it comes to this particular scheme, I think Pierre strong is somebody who definitely kind of fits the bill a little bit better than those two guys. But I do kind of understand this from a talent perspective. I think that both of those guys are more talented. I will, I will agree with that. I, I would lean Zamir White here uh, just because I'm a huge Zamir White guy. I think we all, and James wasn't here for that one, but it was kind of funny that we all had Zamir White in our top five pretty firmly. So I think if we can get a guy like that here, I would be very happy with that. But I inevitably, I kind of have to look at the Pierre Strong hype. The fact they used the top 30 visit on him says a lot to me. So uh, he's, the, I, he's the Shanahan running back of this. Yeah, game. I don't want to do it, but. If you guys don't want to take him, my other suggestion would be Kobe Bryant, given how much they loved him at the Senior Bowl. I'll, I'll I'm good with Kobe Bryant here. I feel like I would go with Channing Tindall here. I feel like bringing some some. We already took the Kobe. We don't need two linebackers. Oh, we took. Oh, that's right. We took Dean. Good point. All right. Okay. I was going to take Troy Anderson in the third, but I'll. I am very much with Kobe. All right. Bryant. So are we cool with Kobe Bryant. We can do Kobe Bryant. Yes. Okay. Why don't you run run through the picks just so I remember who we are? Uh, so we got Iki Aquano. We got Drake London. We got Nicobe Dean. We got Jalen Petrie, we got Dylan Parham, and we got Kobe Bryant. And now this we have draft, another. And this is another, a good draft. Yeah, I like this draft. I, I think it's pretty good. I feel like now with the second, fourth round pick, maybe why not go Pierre Strong here? Maybe we should, definitely, okay take, we should definitely take a running back at some point. I'll yeah, take I was thinking, I was deciding between do we want to go, do we want to go like pick a running back in the fifth round, or do we want to take like a Danny Gray here? I like the Pierre Strong pick here. I just, okay. I think there's too much smoke with the fact that they utilized that pick or that visit on him. And mm-hmm. those, those do mean something. So, yeah, I, I, if we can get a player like Kobe Bryant and Pierre Strong, then I'm okay with it. So, yeah. Okay. All- uh, James, I'll leave it to you because I know, I know where Joe's going. I mean, bro, I don't really want to go running back. This whole entire offense is predicated on running the ball. Right now, our running back room is Michael Carter, who has, a predisposition to getting hurt. Tevin Coleman, who has a predisposition to getting hurt. There's a, a, a gigantic hole in there. We need to. Yeah, Melvin Gordon literally signed with the Broncos an hour ago. Yeah, like this team is going nowhere, nowhere if they can't run the ball. Those are just facts. Yeah, I'm cool with Pierre Strong here. So, James, you're getting uh, overruled. So now we have our first pick of the fifth round. Uh, you know, this is just like scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point. Um, I would love to say Eru Akazama in this pick. But uh, we, I feel like him and Drake London, like you'd want to get a little more varying of a skill set in that regard. Uh, so do we think Bo Melton's going to be on the board? Because I would 100% take him. What about Daniel Bellinger here? Ooh. Matt Corral. Matt Corral's not going to be here. James, what are you doing today? <laughs> yeah, James, so what okay, my serious suggestions, though, are Isaiah Likely and Zion McCollum. Uh, I would take Bellinger in this spot because they need someone who can block. I like McCollum. I don't believe he's going to be available in the fifth round. I think he's going he, – this guy is just a freak athlete. The NFL yeah. Is Those guys get overdrafted all the time. Like, freaking Kelvin Joseph was a second-round pick. Uh, Dylan, what are you thinking? You cool with Daniel Bellinger here? You know, I'll take Bellinger just because we need more blocking help uh, yeah. at the tight end position, and I don't want to see our tight ends – be, I just don't, I want to prevent any potential situation where we have an Eric Tomlinson esque tight end playing any yeah. down of New York Jet football. So if we have a tight end, or as or as or as our guy Da would say, Angels and Demons, da, da, Dan Brown. <laughs> oh my God! Just give me an Uzama, Conklin, and Bellinger 
tight end room and I'll be happy. That's I mean, Bellinger hey. might be the best blocking tight end in the entire tight end room. So or Kate, like, Kate Otten, but Kate Otten's already good. Well, I mean, no, I mean on the Jets, if you bring Second him on round. the Jets, like he might oh, yeah, uh, yeah him and Conklin will be close. I think he's a better blocker than Uzoma is. Yeah, he's the perfect kind of guy who's a good blocker that you could groom into a passer. I, I, yep. I like this yep. pick. I'll yeah, I'm cool with that. All right, and our final pick of the draft, James, I know we've really been going against you the past couple rounds, so do you have somebody you want to bang the table for? Uh, Not really, to be honest. Ron McKinley. Any uh, run stuffing interior defensive lineman? Because oh, should we like, just uh, oh, should we just take Matt Ariza just for the memes? No, absolutely not. <laughs> oh God, Jordan Stout. Jordan hey, Stout. Bro. Wait, what about Bailey Zappi? <laughs> we yes. do need someone to fill the James Morgan role. So I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, if we're getting chaotic, let's. I'm taking Zappy. Fuck it. Let's get zapped. <laughs> You know, honestly, I feel like people listening to this are going to think this is ridiculous. But when you look at Joe Douglas, he took Morgan. And then when you look at him when he was with the uh, with the Eagles, they took Clayton Thorson was in like the fifth round as well when they had their quarterback. So it wouldn't be like out of the realm of possibilities that he would take a quarterback. But I think he did learn his lesson from Morgan. So like maybe we should make another pick here. You know, this uh, that kid, I don't know how to pronounce his name, Tito Og. Yeah. From, uh, from UCLA, the defensive tackle. I feel like he could play that kind of maybe one tech, two eye kind of look in, in the good. NFL. He might, he might be a good player here. Yeah, uh, no, I think that's a good shout just because I do think they're going to add a defensive tackle in some capacity. And I think because they didn't do it on like the day two, that some people mock them with the Travis Jones, the Perry and Winfrey's, the Logan Halls of the world. I think this is the spot they would do it in. Yeah, I hope, I, pronounce, I hope I pronounce his name properly, but he's from UCLA. It's that defensive tackle. Otito Okbania, I believe. Is that it? You guys know better than I do. I, I, Joe, I'm terrible pronouncing <laughs> name. So basically, I'm riding or dying with you with this yeah, one. Yeah, it's a, it's a Tito Ogbania. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Let's run through the draft and we'll see what, we'll see what they're going to see. What we'll give it. So, first, we had NC State offensive tackle, Iki Aquano. At four, at 10, we had USC wide receiver, Drake London. At 35, we had linebacker, Nicobe Dean. At 38, we had safety slash do it all weapons slash the, Apple of Joe Bellick's eye, Jalen Petrie, safety out of Baylor. Uh, at 69, uh, we took center slash guard, because I think Parham's probably going to play center. Yeah. I think he'd be good there. Eventually, eventually that's going to be his spot for sure. I definitely think that out of Memphis. In round four, we had cornerback Kobe Bryant out of Cincinnati and running back out of San Diego State, Pierre Strong. Round five, we had – who did we have in round five? Guy, now you guys are losing me. Daniel Bellinger. Oh, yeah. Daniel Bellinger, tight end of San Diego yeah. State. And then Joe, cap us off because I cannot say that. And the defensive tackle there. from uh, UCLA, Atito Ogbania. This dude can squat like uh, almost 700 pounds. The guy's a beast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so what would well, – uh, Dylan, I'll start with you. What, what grade would you give this draft? Uh, honestly, I'll give it a B plus. I think the dealing with the headaches that we've had, just so much deliberation about four and 10 all off season and to now going into an off season full of listening to the fan base yell about Makai Becton, Aquanu and fan and divide the fan base even more. I just, I don't know if I really want to listen to that, but in reality we would have competition at one of the most important spots in football. So I think after you get past that pick for me, I love the rest of our picks. So I'd give it a B plus though. Okay. James, I'll start with you. Well, I think, one of the best ways to assess a mock draft is by looking at how the second and third rounds go, because nobody really thinks that like players who go in the first round are going to suck, especially the high first round. So I think what we did in the second and third round makes a lot of sense. Nicobe Dean, I'm a big fan of 
Jalen Petrie, even though I'm not, a lot of people I respect are. And so um, I'm willing to admit a lot of room for error there and hope that he does well if we were to draft him. Um, so overall, like, you know, par makes sense. I think it was a decent draft. Yeah, I'm going to give it a B plus two, Meeks. I'm going to put Dylan on that one. I think my favorite combination here is getting Aquanu and London and then pairing him with that speedster in the backfield with Pierre Strong. This is going to be bully ball at its finest. These guys who are just demolishing people up front. And then you have a really nice compliment in the backfield to kill them with that speed. And listen, this entire offense is predicated on running the ball. Zach's development hinges entirely on how well that running game is going to work next year. So I'm, I'm most excited about that. And I think we got a lot of great players. You know, I love Petrie. And uh, Dean is a steal in the second round. Like I said, I'm probably overthinking his fit with the Jets. He's one of my favorite players in the draft. Second round is a ridiculous spot to get him. So this is, you know, B-plus, borderline A-minus draft. I, I, really like, I, I really like what we did here. Yeah, I'm going to definitely – I guess this my biggest thing is, is the lack of real serious investment at edge and then the headache that's going to come with Becton that if we do believe if a quantum is picked that Becton will eventually be traded. I just – I really don't think they're going to go into camp with those three tackles. I know Joe disagrees with me a little bit about that. But to cap off the podcast, um, I had heard on Washington Radio from a couple of people that they had called – the Washington Commanders had called about – Mackay Becton at the combine to see his availability and a certain trade came to mind that would fix our edge woes and relate some Mackay Becton to the watch commanders who do need help at left tackle. I'll ask you, we'll end up with this, with this last question, Joe, would you trade Mackay Becton for Montez sweat straight up? For sweat straight up. Yep. Let me think about that. Pass that on me. Dylan. I mean, Chase Young is not coming. Like, uh, we, we have to get a little realistic. That's why I said Montez Sweat. I will drive Makai Becton from Florham Park to Washington, D.C. with a subscription to Weight Watchers ready to go <laughs> myself. <laughs> okay, Dylan, tell us how you really see this. This is how, this is how fed up Dylan is with draft season. I, I really respect it at this point. James, what about you? No, I mean, I, you almost had me. I thought you were going to say Terry McLaurin and Chase Young for Makai Becton. <laughs> but, um, I think, honestly, I don't really watch Montez Sweat, so I couldn't really intelligently comment about him, but I think that value feels right, so. Yeah, I think he's your perfect, never going to be, like, the top, top edge, but I do think he can plays the run well. He's got good length. He's a, Joe Dun- he lo- he's a crazy athlete. I'm pretty sure he ran, like, a 4 4 40 at 250 pounds at his combine, which before the uh, Adafi Owe Pro Day was the fastest recorded one for an edge rusher, I believe. So he is a crazy athlete that I definitely would, you know, go with Joe Douglas's RAS fetish that we all know that he has. So I really like that fit, that value. Who knows if it could happen, I would really love it. So I, I would do this in a heartbeat, but Joe, I'll blend with you. I think it's a decent proposal and I'm with James, you know, I don't wash sweat enough to kind of, you know, I guess make the right decision. I maybe I'm going to be uh, doing some cranking of the film tonight, watching a little sweat. If that's like a legitimate kind of a thing going on. Um, but, you know, I, I know Sweat did kill the combine, that's for sure. I know that much about him. And I, I don't know if he's ever had double-digit sacks in his career, but I feel like he could be also an ascending player. So if the Jets did that, I wouldn't hate it. I think the one thing that we kind of missed the boat on maybe on this mock is that, yeah, we took a quantum and we didn't. Maybe we should have tried to fit in a trade for Beckton and got another pick because that I, I'm, I believe that if they do trade him, something is going to happen on draft day. I said it like a couple of months ago when we were talking about it specifically. 
And I am curious, like what they will eventually get if they could get another bona fide first rounder like Sweat. I'm down with it. I think eventually it's going to probably end up being like more like a second rounder this year and a third rounder next year. I think whatever it is, it's going to total about 590 base points, which is pretty much the last pick in the uh, first round. Because I don't think that Joe Douglas is taking anything that's not kind of equivalent to a first round pick. So I, I really think Joe Douglas would rather have picks than a player. But if, you, if you're into that guy, Meigs, and I know you're, you're into the edge guys and you like sweat you want, you're not, and you're not sweating it, let's pull the trigger on it, baby. Let's do it. Uh, I would just like the listeners to know Montez sweat 10-yard split, which is very important in this scheme, was 1.54, which is in the 98th percentile. So definitely, definitely could fit this defense. But guys. Meigs, Meigs, can, can I do something for two minutes? A little rapid fire go, go for it. out for the draft. All right. Okay. You tell me whether you think you're buying this or you're not buying it. We'll just go around. We'll go Joe, Meigs, Dylan, and we'll do this for like three times. Okay. Um, if Aquanu is on the board, the Jets are taking him. Joe. I'm buying it. Meigs. Buying it. Dylan. Unfortunately buying it. Okay. Separate scenario. Sauce. Are we buying the Jets love sauce rumors that are flying around? No. Joe. I can see it happening. Dylan. Hard, hard so. Okay, cool. I, I would probably land on no too. All right, now let's say it, let's say it comes down to Trevon Walker and Kayvon Thibodeau somehow. You know, let's say Aquanu, Hutchinson, Hamilton, or Stingley or Sauce at three. Okay, who are they going? Trevon or are they going KT? They better go KT. That's all I got to say. Yeah, they would go Thibodeau. I feel very confident about that. Please, KT. Okay, that last scenario here before we uh, head out, like KT versus Jermaine Johnson. Like, what do you think they think? I I think that's smoke. I really do think that if given given the choice and there's no Aquanu hanging over them and it was really just a straight up KT or Jermaine Johnson, I think they'd roll with KT. I really do believe that. If I if they take Jermaine over him, I look stupid. I do, but I just in my heart of hearts, I believe they think Thibodeau is a better player. I think Jermaine Johnson is a more pro ready prospect, but I do think that Kayvon Thibodeau is uh, has a higher ceiling when it comes to his pass rushing, and I. From Joe Douglas's history, he likes the high upside players. So I feel like he'd probably go cave on Thibodeau there over Jermaine Johnson. But I could see either one. They're both great players. I don't think that Jets fans should be upset either way. I know a lot of people are getting all kind of up in arms about the fact that Jermaine Johnson might be the pick. This guy's a, a very good player. I mean, they should we should not be disappointed if for some reason Joe Douglas did go that route, but I'm seeing more of a KT for me. Yeah, Peter Schrager is someone I respect a ton. And for him to lay claim to the fact that he's relatively confident that they would go KT. I, I really believe that, but at the same time, I do think Douglas values production just as much as he values upside in hindsight. So I, it's hard for me. I think they go KT, but I'm not going to be surprised about Jermaine. And like you said, Joe, we, the fan base needs to be very happy with either because either combined with Lawson on that defense. I mean, we have a legitimate pass rush for the first time really in a decade and a half. Let me ask you guys a question. Do you think that the fan base or our listeners are going to be upset about how we address edge in this particular mock? Yes. Um, I think they'll be cursing this entire podcast until they hear my Montez sweat trade proposal. And then they'll be like, yeah, Meeks, they're the save the day again. <laughs> when, it, when it comes to the mock, I feel like that's the one thing we pretty much missed on. And, you know, coming to second round, we probably should have went for like an Ebiketti or something of that nature. Kind of I don't know if Ebiketti is going to be there at 35. He might, he I have not, a hard but... time to see him getting by the Chiefs. 
he is a realistic option, though. I mean, he, yeah. him and him and Ma, him and Mafe, they could end up in the second round. I know there's a lot of draft buzz of them going in round one, but I think if they are there and they they went like Aquanu London, I think that's something we can definitely agree that it's it's a possibility for sure. Mm-hmm. But they're not going to be sad though, because we're going to get Kayvon Thibodeau. So Kayvon Thibodeau and Drake London, this this is what's good. This is what this is what was proclaimed. Please, please, please. But uh, yeah, I still think they're going to take Iki Aquano. But if they trade Mackay Becton for Montez Sweat, I will be very happy with that selection. But guys, we made it to the end of draft season. Uh, you're going to be hearing from us basically after every round of the draft in some way or another on this podcast feed, probably in uh, combination with Will Parkinson, host of the Turn on the Jets pod. So please, please make sure you're subscribed to the Turn on the Jets podcast. Make sure you're tuning into Badlands to hear Joe and Connor's reaction. And hopefully the Jets are a much, much better football team the next time you hear from us.